On the Road to Good and Evil. It's 3.37 in the morning. I just woke up and get out of bed because something strange is happening. I find myself in a surreal landscape that I have never seen before. I'm standing on a long, straight, flat, brown dirt road, some six feet wide, and telescopes line either side of the road. The telescopes are spaced about a 100 yards apart and extend down the road as far as I can see. There are no buildings, people, or animals anywhere in sight, just a vast expanse of emptiness stretching out in every direction. Above me is a most peculiar sky, perfectly partitioned down the center. The left side is bright, blue, cloudless, and filled with radiant sunshine. On the right, black, threatening clouds hang from a dark gray soup. Where am I? How did I get here? What's going on? Is this a dream? Fear grips my chest, and it tightens into a knot. I start running down the road past the telescopes. Why are they here? What do they reveal? My curiosity overcomes my fear, and I stop at one of the telescopes on the right to examine it. The main tube is four feet long, rusted and weather-beaten, and 1900 to 1999 is etched into a plaque on its dark gray metal base. I peek into the lenses and see a classroom filled with students. There, in the third row, second seat on the right, I see myself as a 15-year-old kid in the year 1962. The classroom door opens, and in walks my junior high school French teacher, Mr. Boucher, a portly man in his 50s with wild white hair and brown-framed glasses. He's wearing his usual white shirt, red tie, and black jacket. Somehow, he always manages to look like he just rolled out of bed. Today, he's furious. He raises both arms in the air and in a very emotional voice talks about the Cuban Missile Crisis that has now entered its final days on this Monday morning in October. Those politicians should all burn in hell, he screams at the top of his voice. They should be thrown in jail for this missile crisis that they've brought down on our heads. The world may not be here on Friday with this nuclear cataclysm they're about to start. They've brought us to the brink of annihilation. I'm dismissing this class and will resume next Monday if we are still here and if that's possible. He turns around and storms out of the room. A cold fear rains down on us and freezes our movements. The girl next to me starts to cry. We slowly move out of our seats and then hurry from the classroom. 
I nudge the telescope slightly to the right and see another classroom that looks to be from the 1950s. It's a kindergarten class with boys and girls, and a brown-haired woman is walking to the front of the room. Suddenly, she picks up a small silver bell, shakes it, and yells, Duck and take cover! Pandemonium ripples through the room, and a jar of red paint gets accidentally knocked to the floor. Frightened kids run and crouch under their desks to tightly cover their heads with their hands. After five minutes, the atomic attack drill is over. The old clear bell sounds, and the kids resume their activities. This scary drill happens without any warning. The teacher keeps everyone away from the windows so they won't get hurt. I walk down the road to the next telescope, dated 1800 to 1899. Looking through the lenses, I see some battle from the Civil War and watch hundreds of soldiers die, their body parts splattering across a green country landscape. The horror of war, magnified through these lenses, feels like too much to witness, and tears fill my eyes. Overcome with emotion, I sit down on the side of the road and try to make sense of what I'm seeing. What's it about? Where am I? I raise my head and see a telescope directly opposite me on the left side of the road. I get up, dust the brown dirt off my pants, walk over, peer through the eyepiece, and view the Wright Brothers flyer waiting to take off. Orville climbs into the seat, positions himself, and tests the controls. He releases a restraining wire that holds the flyer in place. The propellers begin to turn, and it slowly moves down a long launch rail as Wilbur follows along. I'm witnessing the start of one of the greatest achievements in human history, the long-sought realization of powered flight. Travel, commerce, war, and many aspects of human life are now altered forever. I walk on to the next telescope on the left. Looking into it, I see a magnificent concert hall from the past. Ornate chandeliers hang from a cathedral ceiling, and hundreds of maroon-colored seats are filled with well-dressed people awaiting the start of a concert. Dozens of musicians sit on a stage tuning their instruments and getting ready to perform. Violins, cellos, flutes, clarinets, trumpets, drums, and other instruments fill the stage to await their moments of musical glory. The conductor walks out, and the audience rises to express appreciation for this man's gifts. He bows to the chamber and turns to face the musicians. Adjusting the eyepiece of the telescope, I magnify my view and recognize the greatest composer of the Romantic period, Tchaikovsky. The audience takes their seats, 
Tchaikovsky raises his arms, and his masterpiece, the 1812 Overture, rings out through the hall. I back away from the telescope, look down the road at the countless others, and feel like I want to view them all. I have a craving to see history come alive and play out before my eyes. I run from one to the next, zigzagging back and forth from left to right and back to left again. I watch the Holocaust unfold with innocent people marching into gas chambers and then see Neil Armstrong step out onto the moon. There's the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, man-made famines, the slave trade, Napoleonic Wars, the invention of printing, and the Magna Carta. The Stalins, the Gandhis, the Hitlers, and Martin Luther Kings have all come back to life once again. I walk for hours watching human history unfold before my eyes and finally see the birth of the greatest invention of all time, the wheel. It gives mankind the ability to travel more quickly, impacts agriculture and industry, and makes it easy to do all kinds of work. I sit down in the road out of breath. I need to take this all in to understand its meaning. But suddenly everything becomes clear and I get the lay of this land. The telescopes on the right show the worst of human folly, while the ones on the left display the best, our crowning achievements. Each telescope spans either a century of human progress or a century of human tragedy and madness. Stretching for miles into the distance, they reveal the entire scope of human existence, the good on the left under a bright sunny sky, and evil at the right under dark, black, threatening clouds. This is the final record, the meeting place where good and evil come together one last time, and it all sits right here on this road before me. But now I'm feeling tired, and it's time to go back. I turn around and head for home. Walking past two millenniums of human life on Earth, what have I seen and what do I make of it all? I've learned that human beings have a vast and unlimited potential for both good and evil, and we each have a major choice to make in our own lives. To do what's right and heartfelt, or to fall down and go over to the dark side. None of us alone can change the world, but there's a lot we can do in our own lives to set an example and make things better for ourselves and for those who we meet on our journey. To be honest with ourselves and others, to be trustworthy, responsible, helpful, patient, and accountable for our own mistakes. To live in a manner that is consistent with our highest values, morals, and principles. Having seen all that is possible, 
I feel determined at the age of 75 to become more of who I am and all that I was meant to be. I head down the road in the direction of home. Looking up, the dark side seems just a bit smaller than it was. There aren't as many ominous clouds over there. I walk on with a spring to my step.